You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Thanks for joining in, everybody. In today's show, we'll be talking about some games we've been playing. We're going to delve deep into the depths of the evolution of deck building and board gaming. And we'll wrap things up uh, just talking about some games that are on, that are on our horizon, or our collective horizons. <laughs> uh, I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And we are Cards and Cubes. So, jumping in today, Riso, I thought it'd be good before we uh, dive deep into the depths of this episode, we should educate ourselves just a little bit. Um, have you ever played the game called Boggle? Hmm, it sounds very familiar, actually, but I think no. Uh, I'll have to look it up <laughs> to see what it looks like, but uh, my first reaction is no. But I've seen it, I think. Minus 10 points. No. <laughs> actually, so Boggle... It's for like a mass market game, right? Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a mass market game. Total mass market game. There's probably like a billion different app implementations of the same concept. But like the game is basically just kind of like shuffle dice inside this uh, this dome and then put them into like a grid of four by four or whatever. And then the game is just spelling words um, in... You know, and you just try to have the most words, and then you win. Uh, but, so, when you're spelling words, creative minds will always come up with creative words, uh, including certain vulgarities. And um, <laughs> I have to go back and test this out. First, I'll have to find someone who has Boggle, because I do not have it. Um, probably my parents' house. So they probably have one. Uh, but it, apparently, fun fact for the day... Uh, the in order to prevent players from using certain words, um, for example, uh, the letters F and K only appear once, and they're on the same cube, which would make it impossible for someone <laughs> to spell out certain words. <laughs> oh my goodness! So yeah, there's you know- that's censorship in gaming, right there. <laughs> oh, that's actually hilarious. Uh, do you can you switch the words or the letters around or something or like how what are the rules? Because actually it looks very simple. Yeah, like you say, it's like four by four. Just kind of curious. Yeah, because I actually yeah. like word games kind of a lot. So yeah, I uh, f- for some reason I always get really badly wrecked in these word games because I just can't stare <laughs> at that that jumble. But yeah, so in in a round, I don't remember all the exact word uh, or sorry, words rules. Uh, in a round, basically, you, you shuffle the dice around, and then that is the set of dice that you're looking at for the round, and then you have some sort of timer. And it's just how many word, unique words can you spell within the time limit. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's not even like rows or columns or anything. I'm actually looking at the cover of the box, which is kind of hilarious. It's like two people excitedly writing uh, these words out and yeah i can see the words and they don't match up any rows or columns i think it's just anywhere which is kind of yeah very yeah. simple the the back of the box is probably like two kids going like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's that's what it looks like it might be up yeah so if you're hoping to you know there's an idea boggle after dark 
<laughs> then you can you can put the letters anywhere you want. Yeah, like I say, I actually like word games. They're not super popular. They're kind of an acquired taste. I think some people like them, some people don't. So it just kind of depends. But I, I like them. Even some like mass market type ones. Yeah. Um, Anyway, actually, before we start talking about uh, specific games we've played, I wanted to talk about a couple of just like random things uh, that I kind of didn't announce to you, so surprise. But um, the random thing number one is I mentioned board game prices actually a while ago, and they were revamping their site. I actually use that site quite a bit to just kind of find like when I'm shop going on a shopping spree, just the, the store which has the lowest prices. And they were changing their interface to be more like database driven and kind of like more like a, it looks like it's almost like the Facebook of board games or something where they're going for like a BGG re-implementation, but more modern. And it looked really good, I thought, until last week I went there and I clicked on a game that I was looking at and uh, there's a premium account now. So it's actually terrible. <laughs> Because what their model is turning into is I think uh, they're only going to show a few stores in like limited price history. They also implemented price histories, which they didn't have before. Kind of like a chart of what it used to be in like lowest price ever and stuff like that. And uh, you have to subscribe for money to see all the stores in the full price history, which is horrible. So... Paywall. Uh, good, yeah, paywall. Good, good. Buy board game prices, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, that's actually really <laughs> interesting because I remember recently on Board Game Arena when they made Hanabi um, part of the the what is it premium package. So you have you basically have to be paying oh, the money yeah. to to play that game or somebody whoever starts it has to have that account. And you used to play that game a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. It kind of died. What, and like after after they put it behind the paywall, what what happened to the game? Uh, yeah, pretty much a lot of people went away. It's still played, but it's definitely not the same as it used to be. And actually, like, there's a lot of new people playing it, and a lot of kind of chaos. And yeah, it's, yeah, I wonder, it's weird. I wonder what went behind the decision to put a paywall there because there's a lot of other websites that do that in other industries i'm thinking of orbits for uh plane flights and hotels i'm thinking of kayak that i think does a similar service and to, to my knowledge you don't have to have like a paying account to to access yeah i don't know i don't know i well the thing is i obviously don't like it it's actually pretty cheap i think it's like 20 dollars a year or something as well they're asking at board game prices anyway board game arena is still pretty cheap but i think they're just like really kind of pushing um i hope they kind of go away from it though because that's terrible that might yeah. go back to something like google shopping or something i don't know uh, the future is dark because i really liked the the basically exactly what that that side did which is compare all the online game stores like game nerds and miniature market and whatever um so sad uh the other thing i want to talk about is kind of random as well um recently i was actually thinking about a couple of board games and i couldn't remember for the life of me what their names were uh, very kind of unpopular, and I just remember kind of the concepts and seeing them in passing at SaltCon. And I went to Facebook and I posted them, and I wasn't sure if that's going to be successful, and it actually was successful. Both of them were ident identified pretty much within like an hour to a popular, certain popular board game group uh, on there. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, one of them, I think my description was. Uh, 
like mages walk around on colored spaces and they do spells or something and there was a map or whatever it turned out to be archmage um which i kind of remember my memory was actually bad on that game so it was kind of a struggle but uh we found it in the end there collectively people proposed a lot of like colorful games that i didn't know existed with mages doing spells (laughs) so that was a interesting (laughs) learning experience the other one was actually kind of hilarious because uh we were just kind of cracking jokes and stuff and um it's a game where you feel marbles in a bag or feel balls in a bag <laughs> well get it um <laughs> anyway it's uh turned out to be stellium actually another game that i just don't remember the title but it's kind of a game where actually uh you're trying to pull specific marbles out of a bag and you have like five seconds to feel them and some of them are like rough or uneven or something and that's part of the gameplay so it's really weird and it's this abstract game where you're trying to fulfill goals based on that thematically you're actually building the universe i think that's why it's called stellium and they're planets or galaxies or something or whatever so you're pulling them out and putting them on tiles and the tiles might rotate and stuff and uh simple game but yeah i just couldn't remember the name and that was actually really quick i think that was like 10 15 minutes before someone got it and that's pretty cool uh you've you've discovered (laughs) oh go ahead sorry yeah i was gonna say how have you dealt with uh, situations where you've uh, have you ever forgotten a game title and like you just kind of don't worry about it or not worry about it it just kind of drives me crazy i have to like remember it for some reason i didn't um i it has happened to me where i've kind of forgotten the name but i have never thought to tap into the collective hive mind of board games online. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. you, you've discovered a beast that has, you know, omnipotent power. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I usually kind of just like try to type in as close a description as I can and hope that it pulls out buzzwords from like a BGG forum or something. Oh, um, yeah, that's actually the funny thing is I was going to mention that because uh, with Archmage, it was kind of hopeless because I didn't have a super clear memory. But Stellium, for some reason, like, I don't know if search engines like deep, de- deprecate board games or something or they like push them down or something because I, I typed in so many things like uh, marbles, bag, hidden, board game, balls, galaxy, space, whatever. It kept pulling up space balls, by the way, which is hilarious, which... Uh, <laughs> It was kind of a fail, the movie. So, because it's very, like, uh, the keywords, I guess, I was typing in. But it never pulled the game up for some reason. Even, like, beside BGG. Like, I, I did a lot of searches, which was amazing. I don't know. Maybe uh, board games are hard to find, apparently. Especially when they involve uh, space balls. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I yeah, do have anyway. one thing to say. You know you've played a lot of games when you start to forget the names of them. Yep. Uh, that's the thing is actually a funny thing is I haven't played those games. I just wanted to remember the names. So I really thought about getting Stellium, but I didn't because it's kind of a gimmicky game and I'm not sure if it's going to last. I, I just think the concept is kind of cool of like a dexterity element of feeling the surfaces of marbles. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Board game hive mind trademarked. Yep. So anyway, we can probably talk about games played. So, um, uh, my games played, they're very kind of simple, and uh, actually I have kind of a slightly amusing story about all of them except one, 
The first story is uh, I thought this game was going to suck because I played it solo. And then and, it sucked. Uh, then it sucked solo. <laughs> and I was like, eh, it kind of sucked solo. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, I was like, eh, this game is actually not, not as good as I thought. And then we played with Trevor and it was actually pretty good. So uh, the game's Village Green. It recently came out with... Um, from i think it's osprey gosh I, again, yeah I'm i not, think it's osprey i'm not super prepared here but uh, also uh what is the designer name i'm pulling it up because i wanted to say it pierre sylvester sylvester yeah and actually i was uh i had forgotten his name completely uh, it's the guy who made the king is dead and some other games uh that i actually really like and it says Pierre Sylvester's Village Green, which sounds like he's trying to like start a franchise around his name, you know, and he's all that and stuff. And I just thought that was kind of funny because I thought it was some like first designer, uh, like first time designer, because I can't remember his name. But actually, I do like the designer, oddly enough. Yeah, people uh, are starting to get his name tattooed <laughs> on their arms and stuff. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, I do like the designer though, and uh, he's. Uh, designed some cool games in the past uh, actually i was looking at recently polynesia as well but maybe someday but village green is very simple kind of uh, goals type game where it's kind of drafting i guess it's like a market drafting card river game very very simple like really simple game it says 189 on bg i don't know if it's even 189 i guess it is kind of 189 ish so it's just like super simple uh you make a grid of uh, three by three cards and you score them according to goals that are on the edges like column 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 row 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 and you score the points and that's the literally the whole game you're drawing cards from a river and goals so throughout the game there are some rules about card placements but basically it's like make a tableau and score it uh, there's a, been a bunch of those games in the past and i kind of actually don't mind them i like this one as well uh not super impressive for anything uh just kind of a lightweight game some luck obviously with the different goals which may or may not align with you but i kind of had fun with it very inoffensive theme so that is village green and trevor also played it i don't know if you have anything to say about it yeah um you know you <laughs> it's kind of funny because you we've been i mean you've been bringing this game with you wherever you go <laughs> <laughs> probably you know in, into dentist appointments and and and, and all that for like <laughs> yep. the past three months i swear every time i've seen you you've had the game with you um and you it was kind of funny because you were kind of talking it down as this like stupid bs game that maybe not as cool not that cool and maybe that was just coming from your solo experience um and you know you bring it out and it's got it's two card rivers as you mentioned just drafting them in but I actually thought it was a pretty fun little filler puzzle type game. Um, it actually reminded me a lot of uh, that Wonderland uh, game we played that's from Renegade. I don't remember the designer of that one, but where you're, where you're basically kind of putting cards down into a, a shared grid of cards and then you score based on adjacencies and things like that. Um, <laughs> but the, the cool puzzle about Village Green that I enjoyed, though, was the placement restrictions. Um, actually, maybe you can walk a little through that because I I thought that that game that part of the game was probably the most interesting part of the puzzle. Yeah, basically there is a kind of a timing element of the game because the game ends when someone builds their village, so you're kind of rushing. But also the cards you're placing are subject to restrictions. Um, 
like you have to place the same color or flower orthogonally and that makes the middle card of the nine kind of tricky and basically building out your tableau because you have to make all the cards match so the struggle there which is interesting or frustrating depending on what cards you're holding or <laughs> have been revealed is uh can you yeah, there build was no out... frustration <laughs> <laughs> yeah somehow trevor actually had the perfect game i almost had the perfect game it was kind of delayed unfortunately which cost me a lot of points but um, the struggle is kind of, should I try to keep trying to get cards or that work better with my goals or maybe a better goal or kind of play the cards that I have right now because the restrictions are uh, kind of limiting uh, with what you can do. But it introduces a cool element, I think, of uh, just kind of planning a little bit ahead because uh, in my hand, actually, I had like a chain of cards that I was about to play. So... It's kind of fun to just kind of like think about, oh, yeah, I'm going to place this here and then this here and then this here and then this here. And they all match because the colors match or the flowers match or whatever. Uh, so I guess it could lead to like, funnily enough, I don't know, in the, the level of this game, I don't know if I should even be talking about AP, but that could, I guess, with some people lead to AP of like, what's the better decision? And because there's a lot of options. Um, I'm kind of really talking it up. It's a very simple, simple game, though. So, um, yeah, very I, kind I of family friendly. Be... Oh, some sorry, people, but... uh, so yeah, no, it's okay. Some people complain that it's solitaire. I think that's fine. Uh, with this type of game, I don't really want confrontation. It's supposed to be peaceful and villagey and green, and uh, it is so mostly <laughs> villagey. That's yes, that's exactly so, what it is. Yeah, and I, anyway, I suspect that at uh, higher player counts, it's going to be just a lot more chaotic. Is probably what it would be. Oh yeah, you can't like plan between what's in the row because the cards are completely different. So you just do the move which is good for you right now. But yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, what I don't appreciate about the solo is basically you just play the same game alone and you score high score at the end and that's kind of never really been super exciting unless i really really like the gameplay itself i think this one is kind of uh fun to just have another person also take cards so the role changes and just kind of uh, maybe looking at how they're playing like fast or slow and adjusting your speed as well but yeah it's a simple straightforward game i liked it I like Osprey games, though. That's kind of why I got it. And uh, I usually kind of buy most of Osprey's published games. Yeah, uh, Village Green was pretty cool. And speaking of villages, my game, the uh, first game played I want to talk about is called My Village. My Village Green. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just My Village. It's not My Village Green. Yeah, we're totally coordinating the theme here, everybody. Um, so for... Those who don't know, um, My Village is a follow-up of sorts in, in the same universe, although I don't, I don't think there's going to be any more games in this universe, uh, of Village. The Village uh, Universe. Yes, the Village Universe. <laughs> Super generic medieval universe. <laughs> uh, this is a game designed by Inca and Marcus Brand, uh, published by Eggertspiel. Uh, my village is actually 2015 and village is even earlier than that. I don't remember specifically when it came out, but it, so it's been a couple years. Uh, but I recently, uh, got a copy as a gift 
and uh, had you know we've talked about Village before on this podcast and uh, have really enjoyed that game, and so I was really excited to try this one out, uh, partly because it brings in dice drafting. So the first game is kind of cube drafting from spaces. This game is dice drafting from a common pool, and at its core, it's it's really an engine building. Uh, resource management type game uh so basically in an, a brief over overview of what you're doing similar to village you've got a like a village board in front of you um and you have a piece that moves around spots that um represent time so actions you do in the game uh represent time and so you basically the time is one of your resources you spend uh in order to do actions and on your village board, uh, you have, I think, six different uh, villager types. So there's like an explorer guy, there's uh, a market guy or lady or, you know, they're meeples. So they could be either. There's a there's a church, uh, a church person. Uh, so, you know, there's six different uh, areas of the board. And, and what you're putting into those areas of the board are cards that are sort of drafted from the middle of the game board. So once you set it, when you set up the game, every card in the game is available to take. And so you, you, one of your actions could be to buy a card to then place it into your village. And each of those cards is going to have um, one or two numbers on them. And when you draft dice, you take two dice and then you activate every die or every card in your village that has that, uh, same number as like the sum of the two dice you draft. So if you if you have a bunch of cards that have six on them, you draft like a, a three and a three or a one and a five or whatever, you get to activate all of your cards that have a six on them um, in your village board. So as the game goes, you kind of try to pick these cards and build your village out to where you're synergizing it and timing um, certain numbers together. Um, so you can do a, a variety of actions um, that are kind of reminiscent of the original game. So you can get goods and sell them to customers. You can build your church and, and um, you know, score points that way. You can um, sort of buy farms that help you get money. It, thematically, it's all very much the same as Village, but the mechanics are different. And um, uh, the game ends... When it ends, I actually just forgot the. Oh, it's. I think it's just a certain number of rounds. Um. Anyway, I forgot exactly. But it's. It's really cool, actually. Um. And and when your time marker goes all the way around this track on your board, uh, a person you have to select a person from your board to die. Just like in the original village, uh, it, it, at a certain point you have to. Certain of your uh, meeples on the board have to die and go to this graveyard. Oh, and that's actually the the end game trigger. It's uh, once a certain number of people have died, um, that's that triggers the end of the game. Um, so it, it, I I really liked this iteration. Actually, um, it took the same theme and sort of the same mechanical ideas and put it into a dice drafting game, which which felt really cool. Um, I, I don't think you've played this one. Is that right? Uh, no, I don't think so. And actually, I'm really surprised when you said Inca and Marcus Brand. I was like, oh my gosh. Because when you've been telling me about this game, I thought it was a new game, which was released very recently. Because, uh, yeah, for some reason I thought that. But actually, I've looked at this game a long time ago. 
uh, when I was actually like getting, I played Village for the first time, I think like 16 or something or 15 or whatever it came out. So yeah, I actually have looked at this game before. I thought for some reason that you were talking about the more recently released game when you've, when you've been telling me about this game. Uh, I can't remember details, but do you like it better or worse than Village? I think you like dice drafting, so maybe better, but I just looked at the ratings and I think that's why I wasn't super interested in it because everyone says it's kind of slightly worse than Village maybe. Um, I don't know, in some way. Yeah. I- you know they're in the same universe, medieval times, and uh, they they village have times. <laughs> yeah, this is the village they, universe. <laughs> yeah, and so and they have like the so the mechanics are tied to the same type of themes, right? So you have your travel action, your church action, all that. Um, that being said, they feel like entirely different games, and. Yeah. I really like Village, and I also like this one. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that they're apples to apples comparisons, other than the title and the setting. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at as well. Is there's kind of tableau building in uh, my village, and yeah, it kind of looks like a different game, to be honest. Yeah, it, they feel really different. I think they're both games. Uh, which game is the better game? Probably Village with expansions is going to be the I don't know I don't know if better is the right word, but m- maybe more interesting game. Uh, Village I think certainly feels like maybe the heavier game of the two. This one huh, does weird. feel a little lighter, uh, but you know it's been it's been a couple months since I've played Village as well, so maybe not. Um, but you know, the, this game is full of interesting decisions, I think. Um, you're right. I don't think it got a lot of love, which is probably why it just kind of disappeared into the bargain uh, the bargain shelf world. Because um, I think you can get it online for like 20 bucks right now. So it's not, it's not super pricey. Um, it's actually kind of impressive that it's still in print. I guess they probably printed a lot of copies because uh, it's pretty old. It's like 2015. Uh, yeah, 2015. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I I like it. I think it's a cool game. I think uh, you may like it. It it does. I I'm gonna just kind of my initial impression is gonna be. I th- I think it feels maybe a little lighter than Village. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Village with the expansions uh, is the caveat there. Yep. No, actually, I'm open to trying it. I was just surprised because I, like I said, I've looked at this game before, and for some reason, I thought it was a new release, like 2021 or something recently. So, yep, I'm open to try to trying it someday. I like their, I like their games in general. So, I'm expecting it to at least be decent. So, yeah, cool. My village. Anything else about my village or your nope, village? That's it. <laughs> Anyone's yeah. village. Back, back to your your, your next game. Better have village in it. I'm their, really disappointed. Village. Yeah, uh, village. <laughs> anyway, uh, actually, we were joking about it, and uh, we had an idea of having a Valentine's theme game called His and Her Village, which <laughs> sounds actually really good. We're working on it. But anyway, uh, so actually, funny thing is, uh, next game is tied with something I bought from the store, and I was really surprised at how expensive it was, which, is, which was dates. Uh, I hadn't even realized that there's like... Uh, they're being really sold in stores it's kind of yeah kind of a weird product i guess maybe it's more popular in like more health-minded stores <laughs> uh grocery stores but anyway i bought Walmart. expensive dates and uh 
covered in coconut something actually but anyway uh and it reminded me of Targi because in Targi, one of the resources is dates. Um, the other two are pepper and salt, oddly enough. Targi is a game which you... I've talked about it before, I think. Um, I just had a weird experience this week which kind of brought the game to my mind. And uh, I all Actually, it's kind of a weird game because I really kind of like it in theory. I think it's really well designed, well, other than some lucky things that can happen. But I don't always have the desire to play this game for some reason. It's not like uh, you, you kind of have to be in the mood, I think, to play this game. Uh, games like Race for the Galaxy, Hanabi, just uh, like The Crew or something. Basically, a lot of other games I can just kind of pick up and play anytime and be happy. This one, I think, like sometimes I just see people waiting on board game arena um, for someone to play with. And I'm just like, because it's kind of a, an hour worth game of struggling through some kind of tight resources and just kind of can be sometimes lucky and i don't know like and i say you just placement. have to yeah hate, <laughs> hate placement actually yep because two player game only uh so a lot of kind of considerations of just uh screwing the other person sometimes but yeah i i uh, played a game actually with someone and uh this was like the trolliest game i've ever played because i think i had like 39 to like 17 at the end i think they didn't know what they were doing at all uh but i was just amazed because previously when i've played that game it's always been just really like really close and it really kind of unfortunately highlights some of the lucky things that can happen because sometimes you win by like five points or less which basically is can be due to a lucky flip of a card uh, with tribes and stuff. But yeah, this person didn't know what they were doing, I think, and they just let me basically just like the worker placements, abuse the worker placement spaces. Uh, the game ended really quickly. There's uh, kind of a robber that walks around on the outside and blocks kind of the worker placement spaces, so to speak. And um it's over usually when he is at the end of the game but if you uh make if you get 12 tribes which is kind of the point scoring engine of the game is getting these tribe cards with resources actually basically the game is place workers to intersect uh their lines like column and row and get the cards that they intersect so it's basically collect resources for recipes, which are the dates, pepper, and salt, and gold, actually, but gold is rare, and turn them into tribe cards, which tribe cards are the main point scoring of the game. So if you get 12 tribes, the game's over, and that actually happened really quickly in our game as well. I wanted to actually make it happen before the third turn, because I've never seen that before, like before the third corner, but it was actually on the round immediately after the robber turned the, the third corner. So... Uh, I don't know. Like I say, it's kind of an acquired taste game, but uh, a lot of really kind of, um, I guess, I don't know if they're really meaty decisions, but the whole system of choosing a row and column and denying that row and column to the other person is very interesting. Um, kind of a little bit of a struggle. Sometimes it's actually obvious because you really want something and you just kind of place 
Uh, but there's usually kind of a lot of thought of kind of what the other person needs. And that whole system, I think, uh, is very interesting and that it hasn't really been done in other games. And I think it has some potential. I wish someone else would pick it up basically where you place something on the outside and you get the intersections of wherever you place. Um, there's been some, some things like that where you like push things in, uh, gosh, there's a game that I played, I can't remember what it is though. Um, where you there's a grid of things and you push things and w whatever comes out is what you get. Um, I don't know if there's too many games where you place things on an out on the outside of a grid and you get the intersections. I think that's really cool. Uh, so and then they actually flip to the other thing. So like a tribe flips to a resource, a resource flips to a tribe. So it's just like really interestingly designed. Uh, there is an expansion for the game which I'm looking forward to getting, which is creatively named as uh, Targi the expansion. <laughs> that's the name of <laughs> that's the name of the expansion. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's great. I wish all games were named the expansion. Yep. Target the expansion. Uh, well, at least you be... won't confuse it for like uh, standalone. <laughs> yeah, for some reason it used to be in Germany only for like three years or something, really long time, and then they finally decided to publish it in English last year. So I think I'll get to play it. Uh, but yeah, I think this is really solid two-player game if you enjoy worker placement. And uh, it's not maybe as mean as I'm making it sound. There is some luck mixed in. I think, you, like I say, if you're evenly matched, the scores are probably going to be close at the end. And unfortunately, I think without the expansion, which I'm hoping fixes it to some extent, uh, probably the person with the luckier tribes is going to end up winning. Because there are some tribes which are really kind of... Um, powerful in, in certain situations which yeah, give you a lot of goods from when we played it um sometimes the top deck just worked and sometimes it really didn't <laughs> yeah well you obviously have some control but yeah there's unfortunately cards which top deck or like there's gold in your first and usually when you're first you can get the thing you want so situations like that that are kind of just unfortunately happen but it's i think it's generally really well designed that the expansion should fix some of those problems but yeah that's targi yeah i agree targi is a cool game speaking of cool games uh the next game i wanted to bring in real quick is one that probably nobody's heard about a little game called seven wonders duel um with the new Agora expansion. Uh, so did you actually play it? With, I did, with yeah. Ari? Yeah, yeah, nice. I have played it. And spoilers, it's actually pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried it together with the Pantheon expansion, so I'm not sure how that dynamic works, but this expansion is cool. So just really brief overview of what the game is. Uh, it's a two-player only drafting game basically you know the seven wonders the larger game is a card drafting game where you're passing hands around uh, seven wonders duel you're basically the in the three ages of the game you're just drafting cards from like a solitaire pyramid and then adding them either building the buildings and putting them in front of you or tucking them under one of your four wonder cards or discarding them for money and what Agora adds is a board below the main board that is actually the Chambers of the Senate. Um, and it's it's basically a type of majorities, area majorities game. And it adds two new cards to the game. Um, you have senators uh, added into the pyramid 
uh, of the uh, you know the, the small cards that you draft, and the actually the the pyramid formation changes because you add in I think um, five cards to the first and second ages, and then three in the in the third age because it accounts for having the guilds and or the god cards in the game. So there are more cards in general, which means more actions. Um, and what the senators do is. Uh, there can, there's two types of senators. There's either a politician who is like, uh, I guess, the good senator, um, who basically the action that is allowed when you draft that card is you uh, either place cubes into the Senate chambers or move, move cubes that are already in the Senate chambers. Um, and the benefits of having so there's six chambers on the senate board and if you have strictly more cubes than any other player you control that chamber and there's a benefit associated with it so for example one benefit that i was able to hang on to for a good portion of the game was anytime somebody builds one of the blue uh like civilian buildings that are just straight points i get coins equal to the age you're in that sounds OP. So, uh, and then there's other ones kidding. that like give you discounts on wonders or discounts on certain cards. One of the benefits lets you use your the opponent's cards for the chain building. So, like it, on the red card, if lifting, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, like if Fristo had the horseshoe symbol on his card, and I there was a card out that required that symbol, I could if I had control of that Senate chamber with that token, I could use Fristo's building as the linking building to build my building. So there's there's some cool things that add a lot more um, uh, interplay and maybe even engine type aspects to the game. Um, it kind of so, reminds me of basically those science tokens where you get an ongoing ability if you get the science symbol, but maybe it's faster because you only need, what, like one cube in a chamber to control it so you can do it yes. kind of very quickly. Yes, um, and then, you know, your opponent will try to fight you for it if it's yeah. good enough to fight for. So it, it's really interesting. Um, so that's one thing. You could be a, you can recruit a, Senate, a senator who is a politician or you could re recruit a senator who is a conspirator. And what a conspirator does is you can either just add a cube to any chamber. Senators have uh, region restrictions. There's basically three regions, and you can place a cube in one of the two chambers that are in that region. Um, so a conspirator would allow you to just kind of place a cube anywhere. Or you can take, uh, I forget what they're called, uh, maybe just conspiracy cards. And what you do is you draw two cards off the top of a deck, and they do really cool things. Uh, so like one of the cards, uh, or uh, you draw two cards, you pick one, and then you can put the other one back on top or on the bottom of a deck. So there's a new deck of cards that you're pulling from. And what it requires to actually play that card is you put it down and face down in front of you. So your opponent doesn't know what you have. Uh, one of your turns has to be drafting a card and just tucking it under that conspiracy card. And then on your next turn, before your main action, you can flip it if it's a prepared conspiracy, and then you do what's on it. Um, so you can kind of slap your opponent with, you know, with something <laughs> like one of the ones I had uh, in the game we played was exchange a blue card or exchange a green card, uh, which you could imagine could have a ripple effect. You know, yep. if, if you had a green card I needed to win the game, that card could do it. Right? I could steal a green card from you. The trade-off is I have to give you one of my cards. For, for that card so well, there's this uh seven wonders duel certainly needed more take that so 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you know that that uh, playing those cards do, is a bit of an investment, right? Because you have to spend a turn to get the card, um, and and you know these senator cards aren't in and of themselves worth points at the end of the game. So they kind of are in the hopes that you get something that leads to more points. Um, and I, spoiler, I did not win that game. <laughs> so so it's, it's may, it may sound overpowered, but it's not necessarily the end of the game. Uh, I thought it, I thought this was cool. I thought it added some, some really fun decisions. That's what I liked a lot about the Pantheon expansion was giving you more options to do than just pulling a card every turn. Um, and, and so I think it, it keeps the game fresh. It adds a little bit more game, you know, to, to, to Seven Wonders makes it a little heavier and maybe more considerations. But overall, still a pretty snappy game. I didn't think it increased the playtime drastically at all um, and, and liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, I guess. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel is another game where it's kind of a... I have to be in the mood, maybe. Uh, it's a little bit uh, easier to get to the table, I think, than Targi. Uh, less of a commitment, maybe. But yeah, it sounds like basically a lot of a lot more. If you like aggressive stuff and fighting for area majorities, uh, which is kind of the theme of the expansion, I think. Yeah, it sounds yep, really cool. Definitely. Oh, it also does add a new win condition. If you ever control all six chambers of the Senate, you win. I'd imagine that's kind of difficult, but yep. I guess if the other person completely ignores it, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I pushed that hard in the game we played, and <laughs> and I got five, so it, it is it is hard <laughs> to do it. Oh, I see why you lost, though, because I think if you, like, for example, push military or something, which uh, or, like, science, and you don't succeed, I think it comes at the cost, unfortunately. Yes, yes. so the, in, in that vein, you know, the game is still kind of, it, it balances out. You do get points yeah, yeah. at the end of the game for controlling chambers, but it, it wasn't enough to to yep. win it. All right, cool. Uh, the game that I've been looking forward to playing since actually last SaltCon, which was kind of almost a year ago now, which is crazy sad. I think it's going to be the first year without the SaltCon, probably. Unless they actually do it, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I saw this game last SaltCon, someone carrying it around, and I was just really uh, interested because it's by Friedman Freeze, and he usually uh, does interesting concepts, at least, if not so always successful. I think his concepts are really interesting for games. Uh, this game is called Fast Sloths. So the joke ha. there is that uh, sloths are not fast, <laughs> but... Uh, you get carried around the board by other animals and you're trying to collect your leaves from uh, spaces which are mostly on the edge of the board. So you kind of have to walk around the whole board using other animals as transport and they carry you to the leaves where you collect them. And whoever collects their leaves first wins the game. So it's basically just a pure race game. Uh, I expected it actually to be kind of more thinky. Uh, it was much simpler game than I thought. Uh, kind of a, it's almost like a family level type game. Uh, it was a cool concept though, because the way you move around the boards, again, by uh, other animals transporting you, you never actually move yourself. Like you never actually walk around. Um, is by picking up cards which belong to the other animals. So there's kind of a slight deck, well, construction or something. I'm like grossly playing it up because basically you pick up cards and you play cards. Um, you're not like constructing a deck, really. You're just constructing kind of a hand 
uh, of cards and just playing them out. Really, Mini that's deck. it. It's very very simple. Um, I don't know. It's like you're not like reshuffling anything. You don't own cards hardly. You just pick up cards. And sometimes, actually, the the disappointing thing is, I thought there was going to be a lot of kind of planning and stuff and there is some planning like i'm gonna use this animal oh the cool thing is i guess the other animals like elephants and an eagle and like a donkey and, and a crocodile they have specific kind of powers for example the animal uh the the elephant kind of throws you with uh, i guess it's like trunk or something thematically uh so he, uh the, the elephant like throws you three hexes um the crocodile moves one extra but he can only move next to the rivers uh the eagle actually like flies or picks you up and flies from anywhere so he's like really fast but kind of you have to collect a lot of like value to trigger him as an ability like six value or whatever every card has a number uh so they have specific interesting abilities uh which make the decisions kind of interesting but like i say i, th I thought there was going to be a lot more planning like oh i'm going to chain these animals together and like i'm planning so much in my hand is like huge and stuff but uh, most of the time what ends up happening is you pick up cards and you usually play kind of the same cards <laughs> that you picked up uh <laughs> the picking up cards is interestingly designed though because you can pick up only from cards from different animals so you if you want to make like a larger turn happen you have to collect over several turns because in one turn you can pick up like the same animal a lot of cards from it and like do a huge movement with it uh so you kind of have to a little, a little bit of planning i guess but usually like two turns worth <laughs> in our game uh someone did have a huge turn but they did not win the game, and I think that's kind of not the way to go. The other thing that was kind of slightly disappointing is uh, the game ends up being a little bit chaotic because you depend on the animals kind of being next to you or close to you, the ones that you actually want to use. And what happens sometimes is if someone else comes along and they just kind of take the animal away from where you are, so it kind of becomes less beneficial to bring the animal back have it pick you up and then go away with it so it's just kind of uh we had someone in our game who was kind of left alone because everyone just took the animals away and they're like what the heck <laughs> what do i do now <laughs> there are there are mechanisms to escape from it like the uh for example the uh eagle or whatever it's called uh, gosh, I'm not sure if it's eagle or hawk, but whatever. Uh, that animal actually like teleports from anywhere on the board next to you and like takes you six hexes away, which is kind of an escape. But the problem that we had is we there were no cards left for that animal. Everyone was hoarding them, so that person that was stuck uh, basically had to take a couple of a couple of turns to collect other cards so they can just get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> where they were so uh, well. i mean yeah the game is a little bit chaotic and yeah you can plan but your plans can be thrown away because someone takes the animal away and whatever so it is it is kind of uh just kind of a like i say family kind of type game is it just what sounds I, funny what it, 
yeah it it can be funny yeah but then like you're losing so, <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's you just that's have basically, to keep a good attitude the, i guess the, the, yeah yeah that's that's the nutshell of family games i think is like uh, it's funny because you're losing kind of maybe a little yeah, bit yeah <laughs> and people just laugh at you uh just and kidding then i died <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then everyone took the animals away and i was left alone and i had to like take three turns doing nothing just sitting there to collect the enough cards to actually get away but no uh <laughs> It yeah, was fine. Uh, the game is the, has mechanisms to slow down the leader. I don't know how well they work. Basically, what happens is you, first of all, pick up fewer and fewer cards. Uh, so at the beginning of the game, when you have only one leaf, you pick up three cards. Then you eventually, by the end of the game, you only pick up two cards. I didn't find that to be like grossly slowing down the leader that much because usually what ended up happening is, I don't know if you're like not good at the game or something, probably not but uh you only and you can only play one animal per turn so it's really not a big deal to only be picking up two cards i think because i think it's like doesn't matter that much uh your hand size also gets reduced the more leaves you have so basically the more you're winning the more the game kind of slows you down but again i didn't really find that to be super critical a lot um Again, maybe like we have to get better at uh, like also taking animals away from whoever's leading. But nah, I don't know. The, the game is just kind of very simple and family friendly, I think. So, but I did enjoy it. I would like to actually play again. I think it's kind of really easy to pick up um, and kind of fun. And it's just entertaining, and I think you definitely don't play that game for the strategy. You play it for just kind of the fun and the experience. So I would actually play it again uh, anytime I, I enjoyed it, even though I didn't win. Uh, I thought I did okay. It's Fast Sloths by Friedman Freeze. Yeah, it sounds it. It just sounds like a funny experience. I haven't played this, but it's on my list of of games to get to. I just think it's hilarious and maybe a little innovative that the pick up and deliver is you're picking yourself up and delivering yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Yep. All right. Well, those are the games we played. Uh, next, we'll dive into our topic for the for the day, which is the evolution of deck building in board games. So, when you hear deck building, what comes to mind? Dominion. Actually, <laughs> no, just kidding. It's, it's but, kind but of true, kinda, though. Yeah. I mean, Dominion is... Uh, touted as the first deck building game ever i don't know if that's necessarily true i think it's the first game that like really focused on the mechanic i think there have been other games where you've been collecting cards previously um i can't remember if um, some of them maybe asara i don't know was asara before uh let me just see before dominion nope just kidding it was after dominion well Anyway, but Dominion is definitely the the most well-known. Yeah, exactly. The most popular, like you say. I think it's definitely the one that's the most well-known. Most people, actually including me, it's uh, one of the first deck-building games they play because when you hear deck-building, you kind of hear Dominion and usually someone has it and usually it's pretty easy to just kind of like play it and see what it's all about. What what does it bring to your mind when you hear about deck-building? 
Yeah, so Dominion is definitely sort of the first game that comes to mind um, when when you're talking about an experience of constructing an actual deck within gameplay. Um, in a more general sense, deck building um, evokes sort of feelings of engine building in my mind. So you're basically... you're going to say feelings of anger. <laughs> so yeah, feelings of <laughs> anger. I hate deck building games. <laughs> um, no, it's... Uh, it's it, what it really is, it's kind of funny. If, if we're being honest, deck building is building an inefficient engine, right? Because you're stuffing cards into your deck um, and some games are better at this than others, and then trying to cull your deck a bit, right? So that the good cards come out consistently and in an order that allows you to have a good turn, right? Um, so my actually first experience with deck building may not be what people really think of as a deck builder these days, but I, you know, back when I was a kid, I played a lot of Magic the Gathering and uh, Pokemon. And those are, you know, trading or collecting collectible card games where deck building is not necessarily part of the play experience, but you are pulling from a large pool of cards, depending on how rich you are and how many cards uh, you have to I build think, a deck. I was going to say, I think Magic is definitely deck building. I mean, that yeah. is the deck building game. I don't know about Pokemon and how it, how it plays. Or it's like, the same as Magic. Um, oh, but like some people might say it's not technically a deck builder because unless you're playing... there is There are game modes where part of the game night actually is you get together, you draft your deck, and then you play with it, right? Um, but some people might say that, well, you build your deck beforehand, and then the actual like playing against another player or players is just like using the deck you built. But I think it's a deck builder, because you can't play without having put it together first. So that was kind of, that's really my first experience. And, and the first one I remember in the more kind of traditional what people see deck builders as now um that would be dominion um yeah weird sure. i never i never had a dominion phase uh gosh did you say that would be dominion uh, i thought you were gonna say that would be magic or something oh no, I was no. Gonna so say yeah my first experience was magic and pokemon but then you know in the modern board game era of like you know you think about you picking up cards and adding to your deck in the actual gameplay Dominion was probably the first one I played of that kind. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never had a magic phase. I think it's definitely deck building. Like, are you kidding me? Like, deck building, it applies to, to magic. Yeah, it's like uh, you construct the deck beforehand, but also it's a deck building game when you start to yeah. play. Yeah, and Dominion so. feels a lot more basic than magic, obviously. Um, but why don't let's walk through just a little bit of because we're going to sort of the goal of this conversation is to see how deck building is implemented today versus how it kind of originated and and have a conversation about how the implementation has at least in my view and you probably agree improved a lot and made games more interesting that use this mechanic yeah so my impression of dominion is basically uh it's kind of deck building for deck building sake and yes it was the first game and it's still actually very widely played so i guess the design is pretty solid it has five thousand expansions actually i don't know if it has five thousand expansions but it has a lot of expansions because the kind of the recipe of the game is you have 
mark a market of basically a set of cards that you can buy to improve your deck and there's usually point cards that you kind of try to work towards acquiring a lot of those because that's kind of how you score points uh the expansions might change some of this i'm not a dominion expert i don't know some expansions have like take that and taking people taking points away from people so there's like more aggressive things that you you can do rather than just like build up a nice deck and pick up point cards um i bet there's a lot of like other ways you can play but generally the format is like kind of get uh cards which have increased buying power or effects or something so you can get point cards and yeah, that's kind of that's it <laughs> get cards to get cards to get cards it's yeah. kind of that's kind of the rudimentary um you know origin of of deck building that a lot of people that's probably their first experience as a dominion like game where you're just accumulating cards just because yep uh there have been some games which are very similar to this but actually one of the first games that i also played uh when I also played Dominion, uh, were Tyrants of the Underdark and Clank, and actually Arctic Scavengers is another like kind of unknown game which I kind of like. I need to play more. Where uh, there is a board of things, Arctic Scavengers not so much, but Clank and Tyrants of the Underdark, they are focused on deck building, and the deck building there is not from these like piles of cards which are a, a set. It's from a river of cards. Uh, and then you use the deck to actually do things on a board. So the deck building is not... I mean, it is it's still you're trying to get buy power to get better cards. But the better cards are not because they score more points. It's because they have better kind of effects. And some of the effects might be in Clank's case, like moving farther because you actually... The theme of the game is you move around the board. In Tyrants of the Underdark, the effects are... Uh, that's kind of an area control game, which I'm actually amazed. I think you still haven't played it, right? Or have you played it? I don't know. I can't remember I if you played it on played, tabletop. I have not played Tyrants of the other Underdark. I think you're actually going to like it a lot, and we should probably play it. It's not a great two-player game, but I think we should play like a three- or four-player game. I probably need to get it because it's probably going out of print. But anyway, that's an area control game, so the effects there uh, are you get to basically either place more troops or destroy more troops or do things with like places where you control uh, kind of extract resources or points or whatever so uh, those games are kind of an evolution because it's not just about the cards the cards are a very large part of the game and definitely drive the game but it's also about playing on a board and i think that's really kind of way more interesting uh, what is like the first game that you played on a board that has a deck building mechanic or like a few of the first, Trevor? Yeah, so um, one game that w that's maybe an in-between step for that. So the I, I talked about it, sort of Dominion was kind of the first thing. The next the next board game or uh, game that I uh, played that was really deck building centric um, after that was actually the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game yeah. where... <laughs> where there yeah you uh there is a board but the board kind of doesn't matter the board is just a placeholder for cards um and i i say it's kind of an intermediary step maybe not to the to the level of clank or tyrants of the underworld or underdark or whatever whatever that 
uh, name was uh, Underdark. Yeah, yeah, Dyr- Underdark. Tyrants have the Underdark. Yeah, where that has maybe even a step further, right? Because you're you're actually using the cards to manipulate pieces on the board. Um, Harry Potter Hogwarts battle is maybe kind of along the lines of Ascension. Um, I haven't played a lot of Ascension, but uh, it, it's more you're you're getting a lot of cards and you're buying cards from like a card market to then fight things. Um, so in the Harry Potter game, you're fighting uh, these villains from the books and movies. Um, and But you're not really moving around on a board. It's really just still kind of a card game. Um, so that was sort of the next evolution I played. And, and then I got into Clank. And as you know, I'm a Clank addict and have spent probably too much money on Clank stuff. Uh, but yeah, like then manipulating pieces on a board. And that gets into a really, I think, key evolution in deck building, which is the cards start to have multiple purposes. Um, right. So like on, on the clank cards, for example, your card might have a boot on it. It also might have a sword on it. Um, and then it might have like a skill point, which is the points you use to buy cards. So that's, that was a really, um, gripping thing to me about for clank, I think, and is why I still enjoy it a lot to the day is that there's more of a board game there and the cards can be used for multiple things. Uh, yeah, actually, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I hadn't really thought about deck builders where there's multi-use cards as well. That sounds kind of crazy. Uh, something like Kevin a Domain comes to mind, but I'm not sure if that's multi-use cards. But yeah, there's actually not too many that I can think of. Uh, there are some where you can use the cards for like its buying power or something else. Or yeah, actually, uh, like, like you say, there's sometimes on the cards there's like two options. You can get like a coin or a sword or something. Yeah. I remember some, yeah. Cards, some cards like that. But yeah, there's not actually too many, so that's an opportunity, I think. Uh, I, don't, I can't think of like a super solid multi-use card uh, deck building game, yeah, which Clank, is weird. Clank does it really well because not only are there the symbols on the card, but then sometimes there's situational engines where if you have a certain type of card out so like in clank there are these certain cards called companions which are basically just characters that are on your adventure with you and some cards say like if you have another companion in your play area meaning you've played it on that turn then you get an added effect so there's kind of like synergies between cards yeah, yeah, yeah. multi uses so i you know i don't know that clank was the first one to do this and clank came out in i think 2016 so it's you know not the oldest game out there um but it, it certainly has done it in a memorable and i think very approachable way yeah, yeah. I think the companions thing is kind of a throwback to, I think, the maybe it started with Dominion, I can't remember, but for some reason I remember, like, guilds. Uh, so, like, the the game encouraging you to construct a deck of the same kind of vibe or faction or something. Uh, Clank and Space actually has a lot more interplay with these guilds, so basically the game kind of encourages you to build um, some faction that does something specific. Like, And the cards synergize with each other. So like, uh, if you have a card in your play area that's of a certain kind, you get to do something better with a different card. That's a pretty uh, huge thing there. But actually what I was talking about with multi-use cards is I'm thinking of something like basically 51st State where the card can be used to like be raised or be constructed or be uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it's like so some built-in mechanic where the cars can be used for three different things. For example, I don't know if there's right. too many deck-building games with that specifically, uh, where every card can be used in a different way. You know what I mean? Like in right. Clank, no, it's situational. Symbols some, on it. Yeah. yeah, in Clank, some things can be some cards can be used for multiple things, but it depends on the card. Um, the the game itself doesn't really have, like, in my opinion, a, a multi-use mechanic per se. But some cards definitely can be used uh, in different ways. So yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's a thing. A, that's a really good point. I mean, there are in, this is a really common thing in deck building games, at least nowadays, where uh, cards can become kind of a currency. So in a way, it's like that. You know, you can use card that make you discard or trash a card to get something out of it. So there's a semi uh, multi-use aspect in in that regard. But yeah, to your point, yeah. I don't know that I can think of a really prominent game where every single card you have you know, is built a decision, into your deck basically. Is, a, is a decision of what do I do with this card. It's it's seems to be really built around what's on the face of the card. It might introduce a lot of AP. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting idea, though. But yeah, to your point, uh, there are a lot of games where the funny thing is they're really card games and there's a board which just holds the cards uh actually Arct arctic scavengers is a game i mentioned that i played early on in my deck building career which is kind of very similar because the board is mostly just to display cards and uh, the catch in that game was holding cards for a kind of an end of round battle a skirmish for a reward so it's a game where like you're not sure if you should play your whole handout or hold some cards uh for like the end round thing that can give you resources uh the theme of the game is also really kind of interesting to me because i like post-apocalyptic and it's gathering resources in a like snow snowy um I don't know that. I don't want to call it the desert, but just a snowy land <laughs> in the snow. That's why it's called Dark <laughs> Scavengers. Snowy uh, land. I like it. Snowy land. Uh, snowy wasteland, I guess I should say. Wasteland is the word I was looking for. But actually, to your point as well, there's an entire category which I feel like I don't like, so I'm not even going to talk about at all or mention, which is co-op deck builders. Uh, when you mentioned Harry Potter, I instantly thought of all these games like uh, DC deck building, Legendary. Um, there's actually a game which Brandon used to play before the pandemic, which I can't remember. It's Marvel. I think it's Marvel, yeah, Mar Marvel, Marvel the deck building game, Marvel the CCG. I can't remember what it's called, but Marvel something. Um, also, there's a game which Aeon's End. That's the, the title. Gosh, I just remembered it. So there's uh, which is like a really kind of complex. Uh, I think two player only, or maybe can't remember. But basically, you're fighting monsters. A lot of those games are kind of uh, build up a deck to fight like either an end boss or monsters along the way and get rewards from them it's a very common theme uh and that's kind of a gameplay theme that i'm not super crazy about to be honest i don't know why but i just don't like those games so much uh, i played dc with someone else's copy and i thought it was okay i thought it was fun and yeah it's kind of relaxing but co-op deck building is not really my vibe but there's definitely a lot of games out there which are focused on co-op kind of deck building who and hurt yeah, you like, christo 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I just kind of find them like boring as a co-op game. Uh, maybe I need to play a super complicated one because usually uh, that's kind of co-op games for me. Like the more complicated they are, the better they feel because maybe they're more interesting. So maybe like Aeon's End I should try, but I definitely don't want to like buy a game like that because I'm, I don't know, for some reason I'm just not super crazy about the concept. So yeah. Yeah, they kind of, I mean, this is one of the weaknesses I think of the, the Harry Potter game I played there, of the many weaknesses there are. We can do another episode on that. Weaknesses The evolution of, of weaknesses in Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. Uh, <laughs> um, is that it, because it's not an incredibly complex game, you know, there, there are like different player powers, you know, each player uh, character does something different um, as like an innate ability. But because you kind of know the world of what's possible, it's really easy to get into a situation where whoever's played the most is kind of just saying, hey, if you have this, you need to do this now. And it just becomes the game doesn't have a lot of interesting decisions and it's just kind of feels scripted or impossible if you can't get the right cards, <laughs> uh, which is one of the main problems <laughs> with Harry, Harry, the Harry Potter game is that it can either be really easy or just like curb stomp you and break all of your teeth um, mm. in the first round. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of an issue maybe with... I haven't played a lot of other co-op deck building games, um, but that's I can see why, why you might not like them as much. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, do you want to move on to some other games that are more recent with uh, deck building mechanics? Yeah. Um, so kind of what we've seen happening um, with deck building in recent years uh, is really, it seems that, that, you know, they're taking this this system of get cards to get cards, uh, which has become like get cards to do things, to then... Deck building almost takes sort of a sideshow or just a less prominent role in the game where uh, deck building is really just the means of like progressing the game. Um, the first game that comes to mind of this genre type is, is, that I um, kind of jotted down is actually uh, Great Western Trail, where there's plenty to do on the board and lots of decisions to make um, that that are not tied solely to your your deck building, which is just a you know your hand of cows. Um, but there are spaces on the board that interact with certain cow types, um, and it's actually I think entirely viable to play the game without sort of focusing primarily on building your deck, which is what it why it sort of evokes this feeling of there is deck building in this game but it's just a part of the game um so that that's kind of of uh, my first experience in, into that where deck building is is not the prominent feature of the game but it's definitely can be an important part especially if you're pushing the strategy that needs those cards yeah uh definitely great western trail i was gonna say there's a kind of a branch of games where deck building like you say is more kind of a, a side mechanic but definitely important to the game and i think the difference is uh cards themselves don't necessarily let you 
get better cards it kind of becomes like more of a board game because you get the resources for buying cards from the board or you just buy card by landing on spaces on the board or something um speaking of which yeah i guess actually there there is some importance of card building but i was gonna say blackout hong kong and mombasa are other games where deck building is also kind of slower uh deck building like traditional deck building games what i think of traditional is like dominion and other games of this kind or clank or something um you kind of play out your whole hand every time and they're kind of fast uh that's my impression of them is they they you like churn through your deck kind of very quickly because like you say like i say you play your whole hand out and then you just do that every single turn so you kind of go through your deck there is a kind of a brand of games where the deck building is just slower or you don't churn through your deck as quickly because it's like you say more of a sideshow and uh, great western trail yeah you hold kind of mostly the same hand throughout the round it changes depending on spaces you land on along the way you might spend some cards and pick up cards blackout hong kong and mombasa and games like rococo actually you play out your cards very kind of slowly methodically with a lot of thought and there is deck building there but it's definitely like the way you acquire cards it's made not have to do with anything on the cards necessarily like maybe you require a currency from the board so yeah there's a, a whole bunch of games where it's like uh there's definitely a concept of deck building because you go through the same deck over and over and you reshuffle at some point uh but kind of takes more of a back back backseat to some other mechanics as well uh which yeah, i really another, like i think it's really good yeah, yeah anyway. and that, that's another thing too is um in some of those games over the course of the game you, your your deck is really not all that big so like for example in uh hong kong blackout hong kong and and mombasa in particular you know your your deck is really a large hand over the game right and and you're you're not going to have the whole thing in your hand at any point because you're only cycling certain columns from your board uh you know in, intermittently throughout the game so like you said you have to be very methodical both about what you're playing and what you're buying from the card market because you need to, that's that's your resources for your your um for your action selection is is the cards you've selected and to play out of your deck which is just a you know a large hand um so that's that's definitely i think a really important development in deck building that has allowed this sort of like uncontrollable inefficient engine mechanic to become I think more controllable and and you know lend itself to a heavier strategy game. Yep. Um, I just wanted to mention maybe some games that are more traditional that I've liked recently. Um, maybe because yeah, they're kind of unique in some way. I like unique games. And then actually, maybe we should move on to the main feature of our chat. Uh, I like Super Motherload. Uh, that's a game where it is a little bit traditional because, yeah, you do churn through your deck kind of quickly. The fascinating thing in that game is actually most deck building games you just draw. 
like you just uh like play out your cards and then you automatically draw this one you actually have to take an action to draw cards so a little bit on the slower side as well uh it's very dominion like because there's a market of stacks that you buy from but the cool thing about it is unlike dominion where sometimes it's a rush and sometimes actually the stack runs out uh, you buy from the stacks in front of you. So everyone has stacks in front of them and your the decision is just which order of cards you acquire. Uh, it's a game where it's not just about the cards. It's actually mostly how you use the cards to interact with the board because it's a mining game and you acquire the resources from the board to buy cards. So the cards let you drill the board for minerals and then you buy cards with it. Um, very traditional game which you played with me, Familia. Uh, very weird. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, let me just look it up really quickly because I want to mention his name. Oh, Friedman Freeze. I thought it was someone else actually, but it's Friedman Freeze, surprisingly. Uh, game which kind of doesn't feel like deck building. It feels like a basic card game, but there are definitely deck building concepts. Uh, very interesting kind of almost like a climbing game uh which is kind of what deck building games are but multi-level kind of climbing game where you construct a deck of goons and you uh try to intimidate people and build like a uh mafia family that's why it's called familia and you get scored uh, very some of the, it's kind of hard to explain how the game is unique unique but it's pretty unique uh, Grifters, actually, I really like. Uh, it's a game where they kind of like play cards with the, like a delayed effect, kind of kind of like a tableau deck building game where you play cards to a tableau, which is interesting. The, 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 the tableau is very small. Uh, actually, uh, there was another tableau building game which you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I was just thinking. I, I had entirely forgotten that we had played Grifters, and it had kind of you've probably the erased it from your memory because <laughs> it was a kind of a rough game for you guys. And yes. I was like, "Yeah, that game lends itself it well to, yeah. to knowing how how it goes." But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, so like the the mechanic there is you're like playing cards in front of you, and then they're like shifting to the right, and they have delayed activations. Um, that's very similar, though not the same, to a game that just came out, uh, which we we're going to talk about, which Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Yep, that's uh, exactly what I was thinking about you know, as well. It, it's actually kind of similar, yeah. Yeah, th so that's a game from Garfield Games uh, and Renegade Game Studios. I think uh, Shemp Phillips and S.J. McDonald, I believe, are the designers. Um, but basically, yeah, so you're building a, a deck in that game, pulling... Uh, parts from one of four spots on the board, wherever your meeple is. So that's kind of traditional deck building in that sense. But then you're playing cards one at a time every turn on on a board in front of you, and each turn, so you'll you'll have only three cards visible, and each turn they shift over to the right, and sometimes if they fall off the board, they have like a a benefit that activates. So kind of the same concept of delayed benefit, um, and then. The interesting thing that I don't remember if this is in, in Grifters or not, but the in Viscounts, what is visible on the front of the card um, adds benefits to actions you do on the board uh, with your Viscount meeple moving around. Is, is there a similar concept to that in, in Grifters? I, I can't recall. No, I think Grifters is pretty, pretty straightforward, basically. I can't even remember exactly how it works, but you play cards in front of you and 
they trigger and now it's it's very simple and kind of more oriented towards uh deck building pure deck building kind of get play get uh play cards to get better cards and also there's a minor thing with uh set collection is where you want to collect the there's like heists in the middle or something that you have to do so you have to show like particular icons i think from your board or something if i can if i remember correctly to acquire the heights heists which are yeah. kind of better better rewards i guess usually usually better than your cards yeah i probably much, blocked that game from my memory yeah no it's much <laughs> more simple than viscounts but it kind of has a similar vibe of like you kind of have three cards displayed in front of you which is kind of an interesting concept because usually in deck building it's just games you play out your whole hand and you just do it and then it's the next person's turn and you reshuffle uh so yeah, yeah. so that that's a really cool development in deck building that i liked a lot from viscounts and and i guess the shifting mechanics sorry viscounts uh, grifters did it first uh hey. uh but that those are two really cool in my view innovations on the deck building uh, i i think it's really fun and interesting when designers play around with how cards are played and and you know how you activate them so that it's not not every game is you play a card and you do what it says on the card but rather you play it uh, planning out to build some sort of engine or the delayed reaction or d delayed activation that happens at the right time. I think that adds more decision points into the game and makes it interesting. Yeah, I was going to say there's a couple of games that I wanted to mention and then maybe we can move on to uh, something better. But MacGertz uh, games, in particular Concordia and Transatlantic, are not super popular, I think, but I really kind of like them. Um, they're very like methodical, controlled, super tight and very careful uh, deck building games. Uh, Concordia is very unique because your deck, actually both of them are kind of unique, I guess, because they drive uh, specific actions on the boards and you should be very careful how you how you build your deck i think because sometimes you need actions which anyway there's, there's general deck building advice be very careful about how you <laughs> build your deck <laughs> no i was gonna say they they just feel i don't know how to describe them they feel as very like serious and very uh tight games usually i mean deck building games are tight but they kind of feel more kind of like uh fun and fast these ones are very kind of euro feel games uh i don't know slower maybe the consequence of decisions is maybe higher because you do fewer actions per game maybe concordia has a very interesting mechanic where the deck you build is actually your end game scoring so it has multiplication scoring and pretty huge consequences of like the cards you pick up kind of determine your end game scoring so you should probably build very be very careful to build a strategy and the deck around uh something that doesn't suck as far as like points <laughs> at the end of the game because add that to the list of general <laughs> advice don't suck <laughs> no i don't know uh they're very unique games i should say he likes i think rondel games so they kind of feel in a weird way like rondel games because rondel games had kind of have the same vibe as a very slow burn kind of games of um make sure you sequence your actions the correct way because once you pass an action you can go back and you have to wait for a full revolution of the rondelle very tight because everyone kind of does very similar things uh 
I don't know. I really like them. I can't play them every day, I think, Concordia and Transatlantic, but they're really fun kind of games with... Definitely, you, you wouldn't really think of them as deck-building games, but they are uh, definitely deck-building games. Yeah. I just uh, had actually, one... Uh... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say uh, another like really quick mention. Uh, Gloomhaven is actually kind of a tech, technically a deck-building game. Well, Stop deck, copies me! Deck, deck construction. <laughs> oh, if you're going to talk about it, I'll just let you do it right now. Yeah, yeah no, go ahead. You're probably going to touch no, on No, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, the, again, definitely I don't think of, like, when I think of deck-building, my mind doesn't go to Gloomhaven, but deck-building, deck the cards and deck building concepts are a driving mechanic in Gloomhaven. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say about and it. That's so, yeah. actually really cool. I mean, we won't go into the details because there's like hundreds of billions of hours of Gloomhaven content out there. Uh, but I will throw into this same pot of like the same mechanic of, of how the building and playing works is the blood bloodborne card game actually kind of is a very yep. basic version of what happens with Gloomhaven is, you know, you're, in, in Gloomhaven and the Bloodborne card game, both you're you're very limited in the number of cards you can use. So maybe if someone wants to split hairs, it's really like a hand construction type game. But you know, it's it's a similar concept of you are adding cards to your hand and playing them. And in Gloomhaven, in particular, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about I really like it when there's a unique way of how cards are played. Um, so, you know, as you're leveling up in the Gloomhaven campaign, you'll add new cards to the pool of cards that are available to you. And then for each scenario, you get to construct, you know, e each different character has a, a limit on how many cards they can bring into a scenario. And so you have to build the hand that you think is going to be best suited to that scenario, which is, I, I think, a really interesting process. And it's also kind of a painful process to select which cards are available to you because some cards just won't be unlocked. And sometimes it's a hard choice because they're both good cards but it also depends on the build you've been making of your character throughout the campaign um so that's really cool and, and i mean sort of a simpler version of that is the bloodborne card game where i think you can only have five to seven i can't remember how many cards it is maybe it's six or seven uh cards I think and it's so seven it's yeah so seven. when when you get a new card you have to make a decision of which card is leaving my hand or my my small deck now, um, and and that, um, you know, I don't think it's ever really a very painful decision because you kind of in that game you're you're it's short enough that you generally have if you're going to the hunter's dream to buy a card, um, it's generally going to be one that you wanted and is going to synergize decently with your other cards. Um, or your play style that you've been developing. Um, so maybe not as, quite as painful there. And like I said, it's a short enough game that maybe it doesn't matter as much, but that that kind of, you know, Gloomhaven and Bloodborne kind of have that similar feel in my mind. Yeah, just a um, couple of other quick mentions before we go on. I didn't think of it as that way, but Cry Havoc is actually similar to Ar Arctic Scavengers because that's kind of a deck-building game where your actions are driven by your deck, but you also have the same decision of do you want to keep cards unplayed so your actions are kind of weaker because they have battle effects for battles at the end of the phase so and kind of like arctic scavengers like do you want to play the cards for their effects to do better actions early on or try to f get better rewards in the end round battle um actually a couple of really solid very traditional designs by traditional i mean kind of like magic or dominion or something 
uh, but really fun games. Shards of Infinity, very traditional kind of build up a deck design, but I really liked it. I need to play it more. Uh, just a card deck, very cheap and um, cool game, I think, uh, but very traditional, Shards of Infinity. Uh, Runestones actually is a game which recently came out, which I really liked. Uh, again, very traditional feeling deck building game uh, with some asymmetric powers. Technically it has a board, but the more the board's more like a placeholder for resources and cards. I don't know. You don't really... <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like you, you can design that game without a board and it'll work just fine, I think. It just looks nice. <laughs> so it's one of those where the board is just holding cards. So again, kind of more traditional, but really fun. And actually a game which uh, I thought was okay and we haven't played it since it came out, which was Taverns of Tiefenthal. Um pure pusher luck uh. deck building game yeah i don't like it either i i'm not it's supposed to be fun uh, that's the thing with that game uh, like uh not witches brew gosh quacks of quedlinburg it's supposed those games are supposed to be fun and just kind of enjoyable and kind of like pinball or pachinko or something type push your luck I just don't find them fun is the problem. I, I find them kind of very serious with a lot of planning and uh, games where I kind of think they're kind of more on the serious side with a lot of planning and you get wrecked because of you didn't put pull your correct card out because of luck. Are yeah, not, the headline not of, good the headline <laughs> for me. Of that game they're just for frustrating. Me was, just uh, frustrating. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, the, the headline of that game of Taverns of Teeth and Thal for me uh, was "Do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars." Yeah, no, I, like I say, they're supposed to be fun. I just can't find the fun in them for some reason, and I think I'm missing the points. And uh, to me, they're very like serious decisions, tight games, which have just incredible luck. And that's that's what they are. Both quacks, quacks of Quedlinburg and Tavers of Tiefenthal. Maybe I'm just too serious of a person for them. I don't yeah. know. I haven't played Quacks, but just Tiefenthal didn't didn't really resonate with me. Yeah, Quacks is uh, actually there. There's another building mechanic, which is bag building, which we didn't talk about but i guess this is about deck building but that's a bag building game so from bag building he went to deck building but it's the same kind of concept you build a bag and yeah it's lighter than Taver taverns of tiefenthal i think so the decisions are simpler but you can build a super cool bag and pull the wrong things out and your round is over yeah uh, I mean, bag yeah, building <laughs> seems like the equivalent of every turn in a deck building game shuffle your deck <laughs> before yeah. you before yep, you draw exactly. your cards yeah that's that's what it is that's exactly how that game works uh yeah it's again push your luck and sometimes you push it the wrong way so that's but yeah maybe some other time we can talk about back building games i actually haven't played too many of them so that's why i kind of don't really have too many yeah, i haven't played too many the only yeah, I haven't played too I'm, many bag-building games. I'm not games. a huge fan of the mechanic. Orleon is the huge bag-building game, but anyway, like some other time. But anyway, I guess uh, to kind of close it up, we did play two large deck-building games, deck-building hybrid brand games, new. I guess I should say, which are brand new over the last like three, four weeks, which are Ruins of Arnak and... Dune Imperium. The Lost which, uh, Ruins of Arnak. Oh, the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Sorry. They're they're super lost. Uh, but anyway, 
a lot of people compare these games and i'm not sure if it's actually wor- uh fair or worth comparing them in my opinion i think i think not in my, so in my opinion. yeah go into it uh trevor yeah I, I think that they've um i think they've just been compared to each other because they came out at the same time and they're both deck builders with worker placement i think and and you both and in both of them you place two workers most of the time i guess i should say yeah i think in lost ruins you can only have two and in uh dune imperium you can have up to three if you unlock a third so yeah they have sort of four if you're you oh that's right (laughs) i think of it as a fourth fourth worker yes there is a card that lets you move a worker from a spot to any spot on the board and just ignore everything so there there is a card that just kind of breaks the game and lets you let you do cool stuff and it's a good card buy it every time um yeah uh i think that's kind of where the similarities end really um yep i kind of agree i think that in uh dune you're going to be incredibly selective about your cards because you want to be able to go to the spots you need every time and um just to to give a brief overview the way worker placement works in dune is there are certain symbols associated with different regions of the board and the regions contain you know one two you know at least two uh, different worker placement spaces and so to go to certain spaces you have to have the symbol on your card a matching card basically a matching card you have to go there whereas in lost ruins of arnak um you basically it's it's basically a currency right because an airplane can get you to the car sign or the boat sign and the boot sign uh a boat will get to you to a boat space but not a car space but it will get you to a boot space and a car will get you to a car and it's like uh, a hierarchy yeah of icons, like there's a hierarchy so i view it I as kind it's of like a currency yeah, yeah and it, it's also easier in arnak in dune it feels like a decision for sure like how how to how to build your deck so you don't get locked out of the spaces that you want to go and Lost Ruins of Arnak, I think, is just easier. It kind of ends up yeah. easier because and it's more can, flexible to go to spaces in general. Exactly. And you can also do something you cannot do in Dune, which is you can buy spaces in, in Arnak. You can spend two coins as if they were a, an airplane, which can yep. get you anywhere on the board. Yep. So I, I think that the placement mecha- mechanic in Arnak is cool, but it's it's more of a hierarchy of a currency i th- is the way i see it. it rather than you need to have the right cards and, and to to get to a certain spot and in that way i think that dune is maybe a little more thematic because it, it well it when it comes to worker placement because the types of cards that are going to get you to the different areas of the board the those cards are thematically tied to that to that board or, or yeah. to that area of the board yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, that's a large part of why I think the theme comes across more maybe in Dune as well is because, like you say, I think the cards that let you go to the desert are like Arag- or, uh, Dune, the desert planet. should be called Arrakis, but whatever. Uh, and like if you go to the Emperor, it's usually like Sardaukar Troopers or something. Or, you know, like basically it's like the card's picture shows you where you can go and it kind of makes sense. In Arnak, it's very more generic, like airplane 
plane <laughs> and you can buy yeah. a plane with yeah. coins so yeah very kind of like brings the theme out a little bit but yeah uh to your point i think um it's kind of weird to compare the games because my overall feeling is they feel completely different. Uh, Arnak to me feels more like very traditional. Yes, it has a board and worker placement, and yay! But like, and a basically, track. <laughs> yeah. The, speaking of which, the re, it has a track where it's called the resource track. I don't know why it's called the resource track. It I should think be it's called research. the points track. Oh, research. Okay. Yeah, but the, yeah. To your point, <laughs> okay. it is the points track. <laughs> yeah, it is the points track, and you should kind of go up on it because that. It's a very large part of the game. I'm actually not sure if it's not the entire game uh, to go up on the research track because it kind of makes me think of like Dominion and points cards, uh, which uh, that's the research track. And yes, it's more interesting than Dominion because in Dominion you get a point card and it's actually a dead point card and it's bad because uh, if you get it too too, too early, because if you pull it, it's just junk in your hand and you get nothing for it. Uh, the research track in Arnak, you get some resources out of it and there's some considerations of like uh, maybe chaining things off of it and if you go really high you can actually get really good benefits so you get something else other than points but mostly you get points and you should definitely go up on it before the end of the game because that's like the main scoring mechanic and one of the main scoring mechanics I guess in the game um, yeah Dune feels more like basically kind of like a board game because it has a huge area majority mechanic as well where you score points by being high on with these uh, like alliances with factions also there's a i actually really kind of like that mechanic of again a fight at the end of the round because it's uh, the same thing as uh, i guess cry havoc and arctic scavengers is you build up uh force in 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 the dunes case it's not card force it's a force of cubes which are put there by cards though most of the time or workers they will be plastic someday yeah they will be plastic someday there's an upgrade kit but uh there's an end of the round melee sort sort of on the um, planet and you get rewards if you're the biggest better bestest fighter uh on the planet so yeah i kind of like that mechanic that doesn't happen in arnak arnak is just like get your workers and no. cool well cool there stuff. is there is the uh if you are on a bad space you get a fear card so there's a, <laughs> there's a little fight, <laughs> which, a fight which you always lose <laughs> yeah there's a fight which you always lose no actually the oh yeah yeah there's the guardian mechanic you get to i guess the cool thing in arnak is you get to develop worker placement spaces which i usually kind of like in games uh i was gonna go into it maybe now's the time uh, I think Arnak has, unfortunately, more luck in general, I think. And uh, yes, you can kind of deal with it and flex around it. And it's kind of one of those games where like, well, let's see what I get and then what I can do with it as opposed to I can't really control so much what I get yeah. sometimes. What you mean because by luck is uh, when you're exploring the new... So like when you start the game, there's nothing on the board except for the basic worker placement yes. spots. But when you explore a new area, you basically you top deck the worker placement spot. And so you like you might get something you needed, you might get something you didn't need. 
Yes, and that's basically kind of random resources. So you go somewhere, and you should do it because it's really good because you get points for it, and that's how you develop the board. And being first there is really good because you went to a better place than the basic resources, which is usually most of the time better. But you don't know what you're getting, which uh, is okay, I guess. Uh, but it introduces things like, oh, I got exactly what I needed versus, oh, I got exactly something that it may be useful later. Yeah, I and, guess you uh, kind of, you kind of a, get... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, it's, I was going to say it's a game where it doesn't... It's not a very long game, so like uh, getting something that you exactly needed earlier is better than getting it like to use for in the next round or something there's yeah. no bad resources you never get bad stuff and yes sometimes you get fear cards unexpectedly but the, the usually you get fear cards where you, where you get better things so it's worth it to get fear cards because you can do better things with them but it really matters sometimes to me what you get exactly versus what you need later so yeah yeah and there's there is like a benefit if you're the first one you know if you explore the space you can you kind of you know at least one thing that you're getting because you're going to get the the idol or statue or whatever that starts there and you can see the benefit that's on it so to that in that regard you get to pick your reward but yeah the worker placement space does just kind of flip and then um and then uh you know you get what's there but whereas that would be really painful in dune it's not as painful maybe in, in in Arnak because of sort of the hierarchy of placement spots. So if you flip a spot that you don't care to go to again in the game, you're not locked in because you didn't buy cards that have placement spots that match that that spot, right? You you just spend your your placement uh, currency elsewhere. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's actually kind of uh, lucky in Arnok is you get a guardian who comes with the first exploration of the space, which is very like the game actually feels kind of thematic, I guess. Yeah, you're ex exploring a ruin and it's guarded by this myth mythical creature, which you have to def defeat by resources, throwing resources at it. <laughs> well, uh, like paying tribute maybe or something, I don't know, to make it go away, but that's not super thematic. But the guardian you get is another source of luck in my opinion because sometimes it's stuff that you have sometimes it's stuff that you don't have and, and that's uh, to most, fight it right and yeah and most importantly it can be stuff that not only you don't have but there's no spaces left to get it uh, so you have to really think hard about like how the heck am I gonna collect the resources versus oh I just have them so I can defeat it and yeah the consequence of not defeating it is uh, you just get a fear card which is not a big deal but defeating it um, gets you an action. So I think it's just like action efficiency. Basically, uh, you can do something that's dependent on luck that's good for you earlier in the game, which kind of builds on itself or not. Yeah, I <laughs> guess the, the, the counterpart of that in Dune is uh, when you're in the end of round combat phase, <laughs> you get oh, dealt the random, random luck of uh, someone has an intrigue card that adds seven power to their thing, and then they yeah. just beat you, and you didn't get the point that you thought you were going to have, and, and well, all that. The the thing there is there is a consolation prize for second place, and those intrigue cards cost actions to get, so they're not like free. You know, you're not just getting randomly screwed. Right. They yeah. spent an action or something to get those cards, which is a valuable thing as opposed to you getting something else out of your action so intrigue cards don't really bother me that much yes they are trolly but 
definitely there are costs which you to get them there's a cost and uh if you got them i did something else which was good so they they don't really bother me yeah there's sometimes a nasty surprise but you know he got second yeah. place rather than yeah. first place and second place is still pretty good usually yeah i agree it's it's uh it kind of evens itself out well i don't know if it's even because someone can just win right but but uh, it does have a, a consolation prize yeah speaking of which i think uh doing imperium ends up really close somehow with all the kind of chaotic things that seem chaotic it's usually really kind of relatively close usually it like is on a knife's edge like the last round or two if someone wins a battle uh which is very precariously balanced usually like by not much they win the game which like i say like it just feels really close and really tight and really uh what it what did brandon call it uh he used the words like tense tense it feels very tense um harnock sometimes i feel like there's a little bit of like a runaway leader thing happening sometimes and that there's more luck in general i I think that's just my impression of the game in general i don't know for better or worse yeah there's 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 i think there's more luck in in arnak i when i play arnak i just think arnak is fun I, I Dune is fun too, but I, Arnak just kind of feels a little more lighthearted and not quite as, yeah. um, not quite as maybe cutthroat as Dune is. Uh, but actually, an interesting kind of flip is that I think that the card acquisition mechanic for your deck building in Arnak is more innovative than than uh, Dune because Dune is basically just clank right yep you you i mean other than how you get your points to buy cards which is you know the reveal phase in dune which i think is a cool innovation so there's the phase where you're playing cards as agents to put your guys on the board and then whatever's left in your hand at the end of the game that's what you reveal to uh buy cards so in that aspect it's a little new but the card river is always just it's whatever top decked out of the deck or the, the you know the main deck in arnak um I thought it was a little more innovative than that. How did you? How did you like that? Uh, actually, I, yeah, definitely. I have a comment about that. I think actually, for how much I like Dune, spoilers over Arnak. Like I don't like Arnak so much. I think Dune is awesome. I think I was really surprised by the high high rating ratings of uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak on BGG. Actually, I don't know if it's that cool of a game in general, but it's it's fine. It's not a bad game. It's just maybe not for me so much. But I have to give it to Arnak as far as the card markets because I think it has the right idea of showing you kind of sort of engine building cards or like deck building cards at the beginning of the game and throughout the game it kind of adjusts the amount of cards shown so it has like a dynamic market where at the beginning of the game it's showing five kind of engine building cards and one kind of these cards where you have to pay costs to do better actions and then at the end of the game it's showing just one engine building card and five cards which are you pay the these scrolls to do kind of combo actions and you try to make your turn basically last longer. Uh, Dune has kind of a problem in that respect. And actually, I've even heard of people going so far as to like house rule it. I don't know if yeah, it's necessarily... There are, there's actually like a growing forum of, of variants 
for Dune to fix the card problem. Yeah, because it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. I'm fine with it. The game still works. But if someone decides not to buy cards, the cards never change. Uh, so it's very, it can be very like stagnant. And actually, what happened in our last playthrough was we had three copies of the same card in a five card row. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, it's like the exact same card, three copies of. And the game never wipes that the game never removes any card so it's basically like stare at the same cards and wait for someone to buy it and uh you just like eventually give up and buy it yourself so that you can just reveal <laughs> yeah. a better card uh there are no bad cards it's just like if you're trying to get the specific cards to do a specific strategy or looking for a specific icon that can be frustrating to you but it is kind of very i experienced that last game because like uh i think both you and brandon were doing a very kind of low buying card strategy and i was doing a really high buying card strategy so basically it was just like me me and me buying cards from the market and it was always kind of the same and it hardly ever changed uh it changed a little bit but not as much as i was hoping it would change uh so it, it does have that issue of like the card river never refreshes and sometimes the cards are very stagnant i wish there was something like you can pay a spice or a coin or something to wipe the row or something like that or like people are doing something like the game removes the rightmost card or something every round and slide the cards um I don't know. I'm not super fan of uh, house rules or anything, but I do wish prime prime candidate for an expansion or something where there's something that kind of makes the flow of the row of cards better. And you, that's, yeah, that's one of the weaknesses. Yeah, that's kind of the mechanic from uh, Praga Kaput Regni is you can spend a resource to cycle out not all of the cards, but some of the cards. Yeah, I think it kind of needs something, or well, like not a cards card in Praga, it's tiles, but or or like a card effect or something where, like, right. as part of playing a card, you can remove a card or two. Actually, Tyrants has that in some cards. Like, there's cards which like are uh, destroy or devour or something a monster from the card. Basically, you just like choose a card and you remove it from the row and you top deck a new card. I think it kind of needed I'll, that. I wish it had that. I'll bet you that it's coming and an expansion at one point because i actually think so i mean you play dune there's a lot of similarities you can see the same dna as clank right because of the same designer yeah. yep. and clank actually i think in one of the recent expansions there was a card or maybe it was one of the the different players with like a asymmetrical start deck i think there is a way in some of the cards to actually wipe the card market or remove cards from the card or add cards to the card market um, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that were added um, yep. either by a variant or in an expansion later. I was going to say in Clank also, there is no strategy such as don't buy cards, uh, which there is in Dune. So I think it's unfortunately more of a problem in Dune because in Clank, like you definitely want cards. It's a matter of like, are the cards showing better or worse? But everyone's going to be buying cards, which at least changes the cards. In Dune, there's a way to play the game without buying too many cards. And if everyone kind of conspires and decides to do it, it just kind of stuffs the market with the same type of cards or just undesirable cards, maybe but it's it's that's just card rivers and it is what it is but anyway overall um i really really like dune imperium i'm i think it's really well designed like i say very tense it ends up always being kind of close um it has a really cool kind of venging curve which uh it feels like you're kind of losing at the beginning if someone is doing like uh winning a lot of 
early early battles but the later battles deliver more victory points which kind of catches you up if you invested in an engine so like really really well designed i think um arnak i don't know maybe i had a couple of really just frustrating games one of which was me just like not understanding the game at all which was hilarious the other one actually i don't built buy a, all the blue cards <laughs> yeah don't buy all the blue cards at the beginning of the game there's a reason why they're showing only one <laughs> So, anyway, you didn't uh, take hints from the game. <laughs> the second game was actually like uh, I built a the game around like a very low deck. Actually, I had only five cards most of the game. So basically, I was pulling like, oh, guess what? I'm gonna draw next round exactly the same five cards. But at the end of the game, I drew no all my cards except <laughs> one, which was super critical to explore the space, get a lot of points, chain reaction stuff, and uh, that's a card I never drew. And it, it was, was just the last frustrating. Card. <laughs> yeah, I, I drew like seven cards, I think, that round, and that was the eighth card, and I just couldn't find a way to draw it early enough, and um, that was sad. Yeah, but anyway, had, it's, at that point, we had run out of like card draw yeah. ability. But I don't know, just my impression is in general, it's more lucky you should not take it as seriously, which is awkward because it is kind of a planning resource conversion game where you have to really kind of look at uh, spending things in the correct places i should say to kind of uh, maximize efficiency because you can definitely spend resources in worse as opposed to better places around the board so find the be better place <laughs> to spend resources yeah. which actually gets you points because there's traps where you spend resources for no points feels like you're doing really cool stuff but no points so i'll always be mindful of points and then game scoring yeah uh arnak you kind of always need to be like this action translates to points how and dune i mean you're kind of the same way but there's not as many points to be had in the game so you're you're trying to build a strategy around when do you strike and take the points um and then race up those tra the the favor tracks with the different factions um yeah i think they're i think they're both really good games um i probably like arnak more than Hristo. um i i agree that i think dune is the better game in, in in terms of uh how the deck building is used but i don't know arnak just feels fun to me i i like it quite a bit um and yeah it, it's, it's just a just a good a good fun game to play but you're right it does have a bit more uh randomness in it yeah i maybe need to get over the bad start with it but whatever anyway i i also don't think like i was expecting it because of the high ratings of bg i was expecting it to be maybe like super amazing and it's actually kind of more traditional i think yes it has worker placement and like these monsters and uh, you build the board out but to me like when you really look at the game it's kind of like uh yeah just more more traditional feeling deck building game which I like sometimes, but I, I'm not. I wasn't as excited about it. Yeah, but yeah I guess the I guess the one thing that does make it a little unique, and and this is probably in other games, but there are um, free action cards, so you you're not necessarily limited to playing one card on your turn. Um, I mean, Clank does that where you have to play your entire hand um, and do everything. But this, you know, Arnak has kind of a strategy thing of when do i play my free action cards and do i use them for that Sp speaking of you know multi-purpose cards the actually that's a pretty good example um lost Ru ruins of arnak each card can either be spent for its travel value or its face 
its face value. So I guess that's still just icons. So maybe it's a yeah. <laughs> maybe it's no, still it's, just the same thing. But it definitely <laughs> works. It's just that the the travel icons are kind of easy to get. I think, and most of the time, it's you don't have problems. But it is a, a minor decision. Yeah, I just uh, I I hope there's a good game coming up with like really significant multi-use card decisions that'd be interesting with deck building yeah i agree that'd be cool but anyway so i don't know if you have anything else but that's the evolution of deck building in board games and mostly are uh the lost ruins of arnak and dune imperium um yeah not necessarily the most innovative and like highly just the latest maybe uh, they're just the latest releases in the genre but i think there's there's going to be more really cool ones coming up this year and next year and yep that's it as far as this section so what's next trevor you're the announcer all right so that is our discussion on the evolution of deck building in board games uh next we're just going to hit really quickly just a couple games that are on our horizon uh, things we're looking forward to playing when they uh, when they're released. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll start. Uh, actually, I was gonna say Radlands. Uh, Radlands is that's a game so on- rad. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Uh, actually, I think it's rad because it's radiation. I think that's what they're going for uh, because it's a post-apocalyptic game. <laughs> Raidlands. I don't know. Uh, post-apocalyptic game with uh, really, really cool art, kind of psychedelic and awesome and mostly pink. Um, it looks very pink to me anyway. I don't know. Uh, it looks really awesome. I like Osprey and Osprey are the publisher. It Actually, the game itself wouldn't usually interest me, but I just trust their designs. I haven't even looked at the designer. I'm clicking on him right now. First game. Okay, that sounds very promising. No, it's a simple kind of two-player only dueling game of the vein of something like actually magic basically there's camps that you have and there's three of them and you try to play cards in front of them to protect them and attack the other person and you tap cards and do abilities and stuff and there's water as a resource uh, mostly i just like roxley i like the arts i like the themes so that's what interests me in of, in the game and i think i'll probably end up getting it just because i'm a fan and mostly the art is really cool so maybe i just look at the cards and not play the game ever which is kind of what ends up happening (laughs) with my games most of the time um no i was gonna say actually we didn't plan on talking about it but uh there's a game called carnegie which i don't know anything about i don't know if you're going to talk about it trevor but basically kind of uh we're thinking about playing it maybe on tuesday we'll see how it goes so look look forward (laughs) to maybe a playthrough of that game before the kickstarter is over looks really serious actually um i'm actually looking at the playtime and it's insane so So like 40 minutes per play or something uh yeah like i'm looking at probably like two hours uh probably more than two hours as the first game i don't know actually anything about the game other than it looks like a heavy euro and it looks very involved yeah i think it's about oh go ahead yeah it's by queen games i think is what it's called queen ed queen games uh which i also kind of like uh designer i don't know what he's designed other than that actually wow toa and black angel and tournay so yeah my interest just increased because those are all really good games uh you should go back in now 
Ex Javier George, uh, Xavier Georges. I'm sure it's a French name, actually, because I think Toi is like uh, yeah, by French people. It's French. So it's probably like Javier George. George, George, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, a game that I'm looking forward to playing with, uh, hopefully, Trevor, before the Kickstarter is over. Or if we don't, definitely something that I'm actually looking at. Uh, I haven't looked at, at, into it in detail, but it looks promising for sure. Yeah, you should uh, you should back this one. I've, I've, <laughs> I've having my Kickstarter privileges are taken away. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I decided to lock myself out for well, a little bit. You are, you are thinking about moving to a larger house, so you know, like more shelves equals more win. Yeah, that's uh, a hard idea to sell, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. I also don't know a lot about it, other than that the theme is like the developing steel industry in the U.S. And I think there's some philanthropy in the game, actually, um, like uh, charity work or something is is a is part of the game uh from what i understand but yeah i think uh we'll probably have a play of that up on our youtube channel before the kickstarter's over uh so look forward to that uh i'll just quickly mention uh two things i'm looking forward to um recently announced there's going to be yet another root expansion uh this one is um actually going to be a little more militant i think so it's it's going to be more these factions that they're adding are <laughs> probably going to be it's not militant enough like how, <laughs> how can it be more militant than what it is already like yeah, no, no this game has this game has no fighting whatsoever no i think it's <laughs> these factions are going to be more about policing the board um so there's the warlord who is like a, a rat warlord and uh from what i gather he's going to be kind of like a meaner more vicious vagabond uh Great. type vagabond character needed an upgrade <laughs> yeah so the vagabond <laughs> is kind of like you know you're you're uh just like wandering mercenary that may or may not fight you but probably will kill you when you least expect it and maybe the rat warlord i don't know is like he's gonna just be more in your face maybe um yeah. and then i think they're also adding in oh, what are badgers no yeah maybe badgers yeah I think Badgers, but I don't. I don't know exactly how they're supposed to play. I haven't read too much into it. I know they just did an announcement recently. Um, but part of this expansion also is going. To, that's kind of intriguing. Is they're looking at um, sort of making the game more balanced for two players, which involves uh, a, a different setup mechanic for the game. So there will be maybe a deck of cards. Um, I, they were kind of showing prototypes on this video. Uh, but there, there will be variable setups or setups that are kind of uh, more thought through, rather than just like, like the presets, like actually specifically how to set up the board or just mechanics, like maybe like alternating between people for placement or something. That's a good question. All I know is that there's a card system for setting huh. up, and the card oh, might weird. tell you to do something, and and yeah, yeah so. Yeah, yeah. So cool. it's not necessarily relying on what the setup is on the back of the board, but this card thing that should, I think that their goal is to make it, um, you know, a setup that uh, that accounts for all the factions that they've added to the game and, and, huh. and that. So it sounds interesting. And then they're also, uh, I think they're adding in these uh, minor factions, which kind of seem like, 
not full-blown bots, but like things that are in the game that can be nuisances and things like that that uh, maybe would make a, a lower player count game a little more viable if you don't feel like running a full bot. Because they do have a clockwork expansion with like uh, robot players. Um, anyway, I'm just I really enjoy Root a lot, so I'm looking forward to that expansion. Uh, there's not a whole lot of details about it yet available because it's still just kind of in development, I think. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. Another leader game that I'm looking leaders game uh, or leader games <laughs> game that I'm looking forward to uh, that should be fulfilling in the next month or two is Oath. Um, and you know, there's plenty of information out on the on the internet for people to look up. But basically, this is a one to six player game, um, de- designed by Cole Worley, um, that has, it, you know, it's kind of a political game with maybe some area control aspects, uh, variable win conditions. Uh, there's like a chancellor who's like ruling the kingdom and you can either be like an exile or a citizen. So you're like changing your alliances to be with the chancellor or against the chancellor. And maybe you're going to win by scoring the most points, or maybe you're going to gain the most favor with the chancellor and then beat him at his own game. Um, so it's, it, I uh, have actually intentionally not paid attention to it since the Kickstarter because um, th- th- leader games tend to change quite a bit. Um, from yeah. when they're on Kickstarter to when they're released. I was going to say that game also looks very abstract to me in terms of like uh, Root looks like a game where you just like, you know, you place pawns on a board and like animals and they fight and stuff. That one looks very like political, like you say, alliances, weird. It's like the, the the board doesn't tell you much about how the game plays is what I mean. So it's like, I don't know. I haven't looked into it in detail, but it looks yeah. involved as far <laughs> and as it, it has mechanics. An int- yeah, and it, well, so something on that point. Uh, the so leader games when the Kickstarter was going on, I remember them saying something like, "Teaching oath is like teaching uh, like two life. or three factions." <laughs> yeah, it's like teaching life. <laughs> You'll never understand it. Uh, it's like teaching two or three factions of root. So it's maybe oh great, maybe like not as complex as teaching a full game of root if you're playing with like four or five people, but. I expect this game to be kind of quirky and weird because it's it's a leader games and a, it's cold whirly. So it's I, I think the design is going to be interesting regardless. But uh, yeah, uh, and the game just like the main selling point on it is they they kind of said it's a game that remembers itself, which is really just a way of saying as you play the game more, you add more cards in to the game and set kind of up a legacy different. aspect or something yeah, campaign yeah, like, aspect. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's campaign or, and it's not legacy because there's like no, there's no permanent changes, and there's no, I think, overarching like written narrative to the game. But it's more like you're building your own story as I you see. play it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so like cards will come into you know location cards, and cards are available in the deck will change as you play the game more. And so if you continue playing that same vein, uh, you know that game without resetting it then your gameplay experience becomes unique to uh, you know an, another person who has a copy of the game. Yeah, I kind of like that, I guess. Uh, it encourages you to play the same game over and over. Uh, kind of evolving games, it's been happening kind of lately with not necessarily stickers, but just 
uh, building a board or a game as you play the game and then like storing those components in bags or something and you can just set it up that way next time. Yep. Sounds cool. All right. Any other games on your horizon? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, that will be our show then. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, Hopefully, you know, if you have any other thoughts on uh the history of deck building and any maybe something you think we left out feel free to shoot us an email or even better interact with us on our facebook group on on facebook just search cards and cubes uh so that's our show and we'll uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks